Welcome to the Neanderthal Mind, bringing you riveting, educational, humorous, and sometimes serious perspectives on how our Neanderthal ancestors' will to survive still has a profound effect on our modern mind, body, and soul. Take a journey with us as we roll back the clock thousands of years to discuss all aspects of our Neanderthal ancestors. All right, my fellow cave dwellers, if you're ready, let's get this wheel rolling. Now here's your host and the leader of the pack, Anthony Yokolano. Here we go again, cave dwellers. On this episode of the Neanderthal Mind, we have yet another visit from everyone's favorite Neanderthal, Neanderthal Joe, Joe Lawler. As always, Joe gives us awesome content and some education about our Neanderthal ancestors and cousins. We also let a cat out of the bag about what Neanderthal Joe and the Neanderthal Mind podcast have in the works. My cave dwellers and Joe's community will be singing in the streets after we let you both know what's in store. Okay, maybe not dancing in the streets, or singing in the streets for that matter, but at least dancing in your seats. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I will see you on the flip side, cave dwellers. Hello, hello. What's going on? Um, not much. Get yourself a quick introduction here, Joe. Um, so hi everyone. I'm Neanderthal Joe or Joe Lawler by my human name, I guess. Um, I'm a amateur experimental archaeologist and with quotations researching Neanderthals and their equipment for about eight years now. And just recently, I've sort of been branching off in other areas for maybe a year or two. I think and that's I, good enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure, uh, you know, again, our uh, both of our communities already know who you are, obviously. <laughs> so. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, one thing I wanted to find out from you is, um, how's, uh, how's flint napping been going? What, what, uh, I still see you posting a lot of, uh, new creations. Yeah. So recently I've been experimenting a lot with, uh, leaf shape points a few months ago or a month ago now. Um, they recently found another leaf shape point in a, in the Mousterian levels in a German cave. So, that's kind of a new technology that I can pursue being centered on Neanderthals and the Mousterian and all that. So I've sort of just been trying to recreate it to a point, not a hundred percent, but just, just to get leaf points down and the way they did it normal, like later day cultures, like the Gravettian and the Salutrian, they would biface their points and the Neanderthals that made this look like they biface their points. But at first it looks like, um, it looks like the point was taken from a um, a flake, so a blade lid or whatever, and then napped into a leaf shape point instead of taking a raw flint, raw flint cobble, and then bifacing that down into a leaf shape point. So you you have created some of those leaf points. Yeah, yeah. I've created um, a bunch now. Um, once you do one thing, you got to keep doing it till you get close. And the last <laughs> one I did, I posted it on instagram and facebook um and i got pretty close i'm using uh onondaga chert which is from Ontario. i'm from ontario i'm sure most people know and the chert i have access here isn't really 
the best for recreating European stuff because it's so fractured and it's not really solid compared to what they have over in Europe. So really it's about getting that perfect piece of Onondaga and then trying to work it down. And where I get, where I become a little bit of a weirdo or outcast in flint napping is most people, when they get the perfect cobble, they'll turn it into a beautiful knife and then haft it, or they'll turn it into a long arrowhead or like I said, a knife or an ax head. And, but me, I'm like, this would make the perfect Neanderthal tool. And I don't see very many other people doing that. And I wish, I wish more people would experiment with uh, older cultures, like what the Neanderthals were doing. Maybe you could start a trend and, and you know, get it going. <laughs> Slowly. I've yeah. got a couple people following yeah. me now doing that. <laughs> Good. That's, that's, uh, you know, like you, you know, you know, I mean, that's how it starts, you know, one or two people start following you then people start following them and you. So, you know, the whole domino effect, I guess. Yep. yep. Now, are there any new outside of the, uh, I, mean, I guess that would be a new primitive skill. Are there any other primitive skills that you have learned or are learning besides the leaf? Um, yeah. So I've been getting into a lot more um, sewing. I want to get into sewing so I can make uh, proper clothing. Right now, my primitive attire is basically just a tunic and then a kilt um, and a loincloth. I actually just recently finished a pair of um, Native American style moccasins. Fit me like a glove and all that. Perfect. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I've been getting into more sewing. Um, and in a few weeks before winter, I'm going to start sewing a huge rabbit hide blanket just because I want to, I guess. <laughs> That's not really <laughs> any reason. Yeah. And, um, while learning this, instead of using um, metal needles, so modern needles like most people start out with, I have been making my own out of deer shins and stuff, and sewing nice. with that. So I try to I try I try to keep it full primitive, like most of my um, quote unquote role models or people I look up to in the primitive community. Yeah, and it's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome to keep it authentic like that. You know, you can. Uh, really experience to a degree obviously what you know our neanderthal cousins uh experienced you know yeah sewing really is a good muscle workout <laughs> no i bet you especially yeah. trying to get through that hide so the uh the rabbit blanket that's gonna take a lot of rabbit hides yeah i've got i started off with a little one like a little tablecloth almost and it's about 15 rabbit hides and it just barely covers the top of my body so i had to um i had to go out and find a local seller and i bought 75 of them so i'm hoping i don't have to sell that many but 75 should do the trick now are you videoing that as you're you're, you're gonna do that uh, uh for your content? probably won't do a full video but i'll show like snippets here and there like i'll show like starting and all that just because i don't really have um I don't really have the place to really film that much stuff. Like nobody wants to see concrete and listen in a car as well. You're filming a primitive style video. So I, I will film some of it, but I won't film all of it pretty much because I know a lot of people want to see me actually sewing. I know we have, uh, which we'll include in, in the show notes. Um, you have a lot of 
avenues for people to support you? I mean, you obviously, you know, you're, you're buying these things with your own money and you're presenting that content for your community. And, uh, you know, I know it's hopefully, which I know they do help you out and, uh, you know, to, to, to keep you uh, in material to, to generate that uh, online content or whatever it is. So I know uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be, we'll, we'll put the links in the show notes for, all the avenues that they can visit to, uh, you know, help you out with that. So I recently, I was so against it for a while, but I recently yeah. signed up for TikTok. Oh, okay. um, you just have to nowadays because TikTok, it's the biggest growing platform and it's the platform that shows everyone your stuff. Even if you're a small guy like me, I guess yeah. I'm not really small on the older platforms, but on the newer ones, I'm a small right. guy. So got to promote there somehow. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, I, I'm still. I, I can't. I can't even figure out how to get my interviews onto YouTube. I mean, it's <laughs> so you know. In regards to the, uh, uh, you know, the online platforms, I'm just. I'm horrible with that. It's definitely yeah. something that I plan on focusing on. Uh, season two here of uh, you know the Neanderthal Mind. So. Yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, going into it, I didn't, I really didn't, I didn't know what the heck I was going to get into and how it was going to go, you know, and uh, it's been, I think it's been going pretty good. You know, that's another thing is I, I have, uh, I have troubles getting, um, oh, what's the word, like uh, people involved, you know, my community involved, like sending me suggestions or telling me if it's going good or not. I can only assume I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, community I think, involvement. I think they're going pretty good. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, a lot of things that I'm going to work on. And, you know, another thing, just like with you, you know, trying to monetize what you do, I'm going to at some point try and monetize, you know, the Neanderthal mind in this season. That'll be a focus of mine, you know, so. That's good. Yeah, let's hope so. So you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Neanderthal food preparation. Now, did something come out that they were started talking about that 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 you decided you wanted to talk about that or? Um, no, I actually I talked to EA Mags, a common yeah. friend of ours, um, yes, yes. and I was asking her about it because she she's been doing this way longer than I have, so I figured she would know. Um, and basically what I found out is they, the Neanderthals or people living in Europe absolutely would have had to preserve meat. So this could have been making, they, they absolutely would have had to smoke meat and turn it into jerky and preserve it somehow. And originally I thought that they would do this by, um, what's it called? Dry, not dry aging, um, salt preserving. Mm -hmm. So preserving meat and salt, but then I remembered they wouldn't really have access to salt back then with the lower sea levels and all that. And just where they, most of them are maybe in the Mediterranean. I'm not too sure where salt deposits are, but uh -huh. so it seems like um, a lot of the techniques would be used the same way the Inuit do. So air drying or smoking or um, some fermenting, which is pretty gross, but it works. <laughs> Fermented meat lasts, can last months or if not years yeah um rotting meat is another fermenting technique um a guy i watch uh you might know him from life below zero glenn villanello i think okay. is his name all right 
he he hunted caribou and all that and instead of wrapping meats in plastics he would just hang them above the fireplace and Mm -hmm. slowly over time they would um sort of like a dry aging but more of like a slow 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 cooking and then yeah so there's like it's all speculation obviously we don't have the hard facts but we can determine from modern cultures and just common sense as that's how they would um preserve meats and all that you know it's funny the key word there and i and i i've talked about it with you you know with with everyone i've interviewed you know the the the, uh key word there is common sense like we again still I, i i still can't believe how we stereotype neanderthals as just you know mindless ogres i mean again they lived for thousands and thousands of years i mean they had to know these things you know they had to know how to preserve food and how to hunt and how to keep warm and how to protect themselves and save themselves i mean it was you know why why we ever thought you know that they were mindless twits i I still can't wrap my head around but you know Uh, that's a that's a stereotype that's thankfully dying off. Yeah. I've noticed it and that's good, but the vast majority of people that are not interested in this um, realm of the world, I guess I'll call yeah, it, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they still think of Neanderthals as dumb ogres and hopefully one day <laughs> science will become more popular and start leeching into the public eye and they can yeah. see this. And then with that, more funding will come and more discoveries will be made and all that. So one can hope. <laughs> yeah yeah you know and, and another thing i always bring up too with you know my my guests is you know the, the question i always pose is do you think that if scientists or archaeologists whatever you want to paleoanthropologists if, if they would think out of the box how many more discoveries would be made you know it's like and I don't want to say all of them are definitely not. There, there are a lot that think out of the box to try and figure out, you know, how how our Neanderthal uh, ancestors and cousins lived. But uh, you know, you would think that if they brought in their mind or their uh, thoughts or stereotype of Neanderthals, that you know, more discoveries would be made. You know, I always wonder that as well. So, a lot, a lot of them, a lot of scientists have definitely not spend a significant amount of time in the woods and i feel like that alters their um view on it um i can't really name any scientists that have spent a winter primitively if you want to put it (laughs) living like they would so really it's just it's just all speculation on their part but uh, again common sense has to come into play you're not going to you're not going to live in one of the worst environments known to humankind in a gross little overcoat that's not tanned properly you, you need you need sewn clothing that tight fitting clothing caribou hides everything to survive even even a few days in the winter you you get hypothermia very quickly with exposed skin as i'm sure you know being yeah. a northerner too <laughs> yeah so you wanted to discuss a little bit too about um uh you know your thoughts on um, Neanderthal reconstruction and uh, I can only assume you're talking about like uh, you know how a lot of these uh, reports come out and you know show you based on skeletal remains what you know our Neanderthal or our early human ancestors looks like is that is that what you're talking about or 
yeah that's that, i'm not going to go into skin colors or anything like no, that i'm right i'm just going to leave that out of it mm-hmm. um but basically i've been i've got almost uh 15 3d printed neanderthal skulls ah. and just from looking at them you can see these reconstructions are not do not match they they reconstruct them with these tiny little beady eyes when clearly neanderthals had massive eye orbits like their eyes take up so much of their face um they give them these giant orangutan mouths which i will admit neanderthals did have big teeth and big mouths but not orangutan sized and um messy hair like we can only assume that they took care of their hair being that they had string we there there's new evidence or came out probably last year of uh, evidence for um fiber technology you can easily tie your hair but i've been growing my hair out for a year now i've been i tie it all the time with primitive cordage or whatever easily could have done that there's no reason for them to have hair like i do most of the time just all puffy and everywhere um Another going back to clothing, uh, a lot of them will um, pose Neanderthals in museums with horribly ragged, tattered clothing that just look like pieces of flesh. Just that's not clothing. That's gross. (laughs) (laughs) And it's unfortunate because the majority of the public will go into a museum and not realize um, a flaw with that. They'll. Yeah. They'll just take it because a lot of people do not question modern science anymore. So yeah. there's no push for them to correct these reconstructions. Like there's no reason with current evidence that you need to display Neanderthals with these ragged clothing that wouldn't keep anyone warm. Yeah. Half the time they don't have shoes on. They'll have them, they'll have them put in like a little skirt or a, again, ragged clothing and then no shoes in a snowstorm. I've walked around barefoot in the snow all the time and can <laughs> yeah. only manage 15 minutes. I can't right. imagine living like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, unfortunately, that, well, for one thing, that keeps the stereotype going. Yeah. But in, a, in the same sense, that feeds the stereotype that everyone envisions a Neanderthal as. You know what I mean? So it keeps yeah. their image the same that they were taught a Neanderthal looks like. So instead of trying to change that image or change that stereotype, they just feed into it. So hopefully that'll yeah. be another change. And it's unfortunate too, because a lot of some of the facial reconstructions look half decent, but then they ruin it by giving them messy hair that looks like a shaggy stray dog. Yeah. And then again, the ragged clothing. I hate to say that so many times in a certain amount of minutes, but if you have a good reconstruction, just, use a little bit of the funding and get proper clothing. That's my biggest gripe with it. And I can understand posing them naked. Um, if you're going down South, like if the Gibraltar Neanderthals are displayed naked, yeah, which makes sense. Gibraltar has, and always will be, well, I won't say always will be, but for the most part of humankind, it's been a warm temperate climate that you could be around naked for most of the time. Yeah. But going further north and displaying them naked, like this is how they live. And I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would have never survived. You know, and I get it, you know, because we've been modernized in a sense with uh, socks and shoes and boots and, you know, things like that to, that didn't allow 
our bodies to adapt to that type of cold. But even so, with them, they had to have protection. <laughs> I don't care how yeah. how tempered your body is to the cold. It's just it's impossible to not be in those conditions without proper protection from the weather. There's just no way. I don't care how long they lived in it, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say this just for anyone who hears this in the future and wants to argue with me. I'm not saying Neanderthals lived in the snow their whole lives and right. throughout their whole range. I get that there were warm periods and cold mm-hmm. periods and all that. But at the same time, they still had winter and summer yeah. and they're not going to be naked the whole time. They're, you, you can't go to the beach. I'm in Ontario. We're the warmest province in Canada. During the winter time, I can't go down to the beach naked. I'll freeze. <laughs> and get arrested, but still. <laughs> and get arrested, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, another one of them stereotypes that hopefully will get, uh, you know, vetted out at some point. So another topic is um, hunting. Um what is your take on how uh, Neanderthals hunted mammoth? Right. Um, so I've got a big video coming out about this. So oh, I'll good. just talk about it now. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm doing a collaboration with uh, Ryan Gill of Hunt Primitive. So that's exciting. Oh, awesome. Um, basically, I, a lot of them, a lot of scientists will say that neanderthals would run up and stab mammoth in the sides or whatever personally if you've ever watched a mammoth or not a mammoth an elephant sorry swing around they are very fast and big animals you're not running up and stabbing one of them in the stomach (laughs) what i think is would happen if you only had thrusting spears which personally i think most neanderthals could throw their spears but then some of them probably weren't as good at it so they did um they would uh they would still thrust their spears rather than throw them but basically what i think would happen is if it was a group they would someone would distract the mammoth in the front because that's where all the danger is right for the most part they they're big tusks they're big trunks very big brutal animals that can stomp somebody throw them with their trunks like i'm sure you've seen a video or two of an elephant just picking a person up (laughs) throwing it yeah (laughs) yeah just we're nothing to them yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically you'd have to distract the animal somehow and then somebody else would have to either get a, a decent throw you know, you'd have to throw pretty hard to pierce that yeah the hide and the the hair the hair some of the hair is two feet long on them yeah. and then you've got to get through the skin and the fat and the bone but what me and ryan gill were talking about is that we both agree that you would want to aim for soft spots. So you're going to want to aim for the stomach. You're going to want to aim right around the butt, which is the softest part of an animal, believe it or not. Okay. And you're just, you're going to want to hit weak spots. They're not going to be throwing spears from above because the back of an animal is sturdy. They roll around in it. They scratch themselves. It's all calloused up, but underneath the animal is very soft. So you're going to want to hit that. I don't think that they were using traps. I've, I, in the beginning, when I got into this, originally thought um, maybe they made pitfall traps, but permafrost, mammoth only lived where it's cold. So permafrost, you're going to be digging for days, if not weeks. 
And by then the mammoth, they're smart animals. Elephants are smart. They're going to notice, hey, these little weird primates are digging a hole. We should probably get out of here. <laughs> um, I don't think the only trap I could really see working is maybe um, going out on the ice and the mammoth falls through. Like if you build a big fire and then the mammoth falls through, which is mentioned in a book, but I don't want to spoil which book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, I think it would be sort of a pursuit method of hunting. So like what they do in Africa, but on a much larger scale. So you'd, you'd gut the animal with a spear throw. The animal's going to die from sepsis a few days for sure. And then there you go. You've, you've got this giant animal. But for the most part, I don't think mammoth were really targeted all that much in, if they didn't have to. I'm going to guess that mammoth were either a ritual, right? Which is something I don't want to really get into because I haven't researched or desperation food. The uh, last episode I, I uh, released was with uh, Dr. Bakhoven. And uh, I don't know if you read uh, his book yet or not. It's called uh, Mach 2 and the Mammoth People. It's actually a pretty good book. I, 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 well, I listened to it because that's all I can do is, you know, the, the only time I have is for audible books. But uh, it's actually a pretty good, uh, it's a fantastic book. It kept me listening, listening more and more for it. But, you know, the one uh, hunt that he portrayed in there, which again, could be a stereotype is, you know, where you get a bunch of Neanderthals or early humans and you create a stampede and you run them off a cliff and then they die. And then you go and you cut them up. Uh, do you believe in uh, that type of theory? Um, personally, I don't, um, I know that there are Buffalo jumps that the native Americans did, but a Buffalo is a Buffalo are very dumb animal. Ungulates are not usually very smart animals and they're the native Americans. When they did these Buffalo jumps were typically using horses. Um, they were, they were using horses primarily during, after the time of the Spaniards, when the Spaniards brought uh, horses um and before that when they did buffalo jumps they'd only get five or ten buffalo in a in a time going back to mammoth mammoth are even elephants today are nearly impossible to corral um or herd in a certain way to get them to go especially to get them to go off a cliff like a mammoth's going to turn and fight yeah. and even elephants do that today yeah. and basically the the type of defense mechanism a mammoth uses is they get their young in the center and then the, the adult females will go on the side. And that's pretty hard to break, especially if you're a little five foot six hominin <laughs> with a spear. Yeah. I, I can maybe see the use of fire working, but at the same time, I don't know how effective that would be in a cold environment. Cold, the mammoth step would, are windy. They're still windy today. Um, so I don't know how effective torches would be. But to answer your question, I personally do not see Neanderthals corralling mammoth off of the side of cliffs. Okay, very good. Just wanted to ask, we were talking about it, and it reminded yeah. me about that book. So I just wanted to see what your opinion and, on that is. So, so to keeping with the, I guess, the hunting side of the hunting gatherer, what would your theories be on fishing, uh, Neanderthal fishing? This is one I was excited for. I <laughs> <laughs> did, yes. So, um, 
Again, going back, uh, I mentioned that they discovered recently that Neanderthals might have made string, or they did. They have hard evidence now. They found a microscopic, microscopic piece of uh, a thread, basically, or fibers that were twisted in an S shape, which can only be done by um, hand twisting cordage. And basically, I think nets would have been used okay. something like that would not last in the archaeological record just like bone needles do not or hides do not or skin or you get the point but basically i think either some type of harpoon would be made a wood harpoon or more plausible would be the use of of nets like gill nets mm-hmm. um and you would use them a lot of native american groups use them a lot of pacific islanders use them it's just I don't see any reason why sea, seaside Neanderthals couldn't make nets and use them for themselves. Like we know that they hunted seal and they hunted dolphin. Uh, I think whale, but like not hunted whale, but found them on the beach or something and ate them. And there's all sort of evidence of them collecting she shells, um, mollusk, all that kind of stuff. And I don't see any reason why they couldn't make nets and capture fish. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. Pretty good. Yeah, I can, I, and, you know, again, not to, to, to kind of to broaden your perspective of them, I definitely see that being a possibility. I mean, I think they've found evidence of them eating seafood or fish or, you know, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I can, I could probably see the, the whole gill net sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So this one is, uh, this one's rather interesting. If you could have, a movie remade what would that be all right so a lot of people when i ask them this they always say like clan of the cave bear um or what's the other one um can't think of it but personally i would i would get quest for fire remade uh with more modern views so i would have like the denisovans the denisovans denisovans Mm -hmm. I'm Canadian. I say things weird. No, okay. yeah. <laughs> Neanderthals. Potato, potato, it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. I'd have Denisovans, Neanderthals, um, Homo sapiens, just instead of like the, um, I'm not sure what they had. They had some sort of primitive beasts in the beginnings trying to steal the fire. And I'd have something sort of like that. But instead of surrounding fire, I would have it maybe centered on a food resource or a sacred site or something like that where these three groups are not really necessarily fighting about it, but sort of having skirmishes and just something along that lines and kind of not, not so much a remake, but like a new movie following that premise, just with modern ideas being brought in is something that I'd like to see. Yeah. It's, and I guess I don't really know what the last true Neanderthal movie was. I know there was a, uh, what the heck was that? year one or something like that with i think jack black or something i mean you know it was a it was a comedy about neanderthals but uh um, oh with jack black and michael Sierra. Uh, yeah i can't remember the name year one <laughs> or the first year so i can't remember what that was but uh there might have even been a, a movie you know earlier or later than that i should say that you know about neanderthals but i i haven't seen many in the way of movies about them so yeah, it'll be interesting to see a lot of these get remade or even a lot of the books that are out there, you know, can turn into 
you know, turn into series like EA makes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Her book I'd love to see her books yeah. turned into like a TV series or something like that. And like I said, with Dr. You know, Dr. Bakoven, I mean, his his book is is definitely uh, movie worthy, I think, you know. So. I'll have to give it a listen. I listened to the podcast. Yeah. It was a great podcast. Yeah. So I'll have to yeah. listen to the book. Appreciate that. Yeah, it was it was awesome, man. I, I, like I said, I, it just kept me wanting even at the end of it i want more <laughs> so it's a good book to definitely up there with you know the a megs and uh kindred uh with rebecca rag sykes so definitely up there with them excellent book. Doubt. yeah <laughs> yeah um a couple of side questions here i wanted to bring up which has worked out pretty good with uh last few interviews asking um so in your opinion, what is the most, and I may have asked you this before, actually, but I'll ask you again. What is your, what is the most significant discovery of all and of recent for Neanderthals or early humans? Of all time? Sure. Let's go with of all time first. I would say the Feldhofer one specimen. So the first Neanderthal, not discovered, but the first Neanderthal named. I think that is really the starting point for paleoanthropology and sort of backed up, I think, yeah, this sort of gave Charles Darwin the basis to sort of start the theory of evolution and all that. And the Feldhofer one specimen, so Neander one or Neanderthal one is sort of the starting point for paleoanthropology. And just everything branches off from that pretty much is what I think. So, so then was be. that one again because of my lack of education in it was that one prior to the actual neander cave or is that the same that that is the same cave yeah. okay that okay. is that's the that's the type specimen so okay. that's the that's this that's the fossil that was all found the in there new fossils will be named after pretty okay. much yeah i would there, actually, go ahead there's two more. There's Ignis two and then Gibraltar one, which were found before Feldhofer, but Feldhofer was named first, so therefore it's considered the type specimen. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I think I, I think I may have asked Doctor Bakov in that one, and uh, you know, he had told the story about you know how it was uh, called the Neanderthal and you know or Neanderthal and you know however it came about and and. You know, it's just funny to think if those, I think they were coal miners or whatever they might have been, went into that, you know, what blowing up rock and cleaning out the cave or whatever it might be, if they would have just brushed that skull aside, you know, thinking it was just, you know, debris or whatever it might be, you know, how far behind would we be today with, you know, Neanderthal discoveries and learning and knowing everything we do about them? You know, it's just amazing how the world would be a very different place for sure <laughs> it really would be and it's amazing you know that they had the uh, uh i mean i guess intelligence to say hey you know we got something special here we got something different you know and i know i think it went through a couple different hands saying oh no it's just somebody who had some you know medical issues and blah 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 but then you know they finally discovered that it was actually you know a neanderthal or a human so from from what I remember, I think 
the I think it was limestone workers because yes, uh, yes. Feldhofer is a limestone cave. I think originally they thought it was cave bear bones and they mm. did cast it aside before someone else came and looked. And I don't think, like you were saying, they, it went hand in hand. And I think they thought that it had rickus. It was just a person with a rickus. Yeah. Um, until someone, until I guess one of the first scientists, paleoanthropologists, took a look at it. And he's like, no, these are a different human. <laughs> I think that's how it went. But yeah. I could be wrong. I think you're right. I think you're right. And that's, that's again, that's, that's just amazing that, you know, that that, that one that one that one thing started it you know started it all it's yeah. just amazing you know fate fate uh, fate is interesting so with that now you know if you can a little premonition here maybe but what do you think or hope is the next significant discovery um well with the permafrost finds a whole neanderthal would be pretty cool <laughs> yes that would be that really would be like a utsi the iceman for neanderthals yeah. would be really cool and i was going to bring that up with you know how all the ice is melting and everything i i think there are going to be i mean there already are a lot of discoveries not maybe not that far back yet but uh you know there's now the ice is melting you know you can get into the whole climate change thing or you know just the natural progression and regression of the earth i mean it's you know it is what it is but uh um uh, yeah it's there's i think there's going to be a lot more a lot more finds did, to come they found a cave bear which is like a one in one million find um because yeah. bears in themselves are rare and it's just crazy that they found uh i think it was a a sow and her cubs i think that was I think that was what was found, but I could be wrong. I think you're right on that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing how history leaves that stuff behind for us, you know? I wouldn't doubt if they have found some, like a person already, and they're just keeping it a secret for now. I wouldn't doubt that. (laughs) Yeah. We talked before about, you know, free or affordable access to, you know, the scientific discoveries, but I get it. You know, they want their, they want their accolades for it, you know? Yeah, but I get it. There's nothing wrong with that, without a doubt. But you know, especially with something sooner. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But get it out there as soon as you can. You know, don't sit on it or hold it, and you know, just because you don't, I don't know, want anybody touching it or whatever. You know. So. Yeah. Um. So the one question as well, and then you can get into. I guess you wanted to ask me questions with I didn't get to prepare for so I'll be <laughs> stuttering around a little bit for him but uh, um, you know the one question I ask as well anymore is whether it's it was integration of Neanderthals or degradation of Neanderthals so did they did we just interbreed Neanderthals out of existence or did we annihilate them out of existence all right um i won't say for one i think it was assimilation so we sort of became one species instead of two separate ones which if you i know people aren't going to like this but if two separate things can breed they're not a different species is the way i look at it sure so i won't say that it was friendly everywhere um but for the most part i think that it was fairly a fairly 
peaceful assimilation and they might not even have known that they were the last ones um when it happened and and going on like we have their dna in us today so obviously there was hybrids and i would say that maybe even 75 percent of eurasia was hybrids at one point which is just crazy to think about very good so you're more integration in a sense yeah yeah and I, you know, like you said, you know, I, there was definitely some warring back and forth. I'm sure, you know, that's just that's human, human nature. nature. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we do it today. You know, we we did it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, to the Native Americans in a sense. You know, but not only that, but you know, there was a lot of, you know, the the whole. You can get into the whole biology of it, where, you know, when there was integration, certain. You know, well, let's just go with the, you know, uh, the more modern history, in a sense, with Native Americans con contracted a lot of diseases from, you know, when whenever the English came over, whatever it is, however it ended up. But, you know, they're, they're just their immune systems and their bodies weren't able to fight off what, you know, the uh, newcomers were able to do, you know, yeah. that, that could have had something to do with it as well, I think, you know, so. I can agree with that, yeah. Um, we know that Neanderthals gave us a lot of genes for fighting off viruses, but at the same time, we also gave them some genes for fighting off viruses. So it was really, I say them, I mean, to say like the first Europeans and all that, oh, okay. they, they switched genes and we gave them some genes and they gave us a lot of genes. And, uh, yeah, so it, obviously it's not like you can't say you can't like blanket one thing and say it was all friendly. Obviously there was some conflict mm -hmm. and I'm sure disease happened a lot. And yeah, just a whole factor of things. And the recent evidence is showing that by the time the first Europeans showed up, it was already subarctic climates. So that could also have started diminishing Neanderthal populations. Very good. Well, so that was, uh, that was about all I had for you. So uh, let's uh, let's let's see where you uh, let's see where you go with what you got. <laughs> so I've just been curious. Um, what have you learned so far? Like talking to different experts and people more knowledgeable in this uh, subject. Well, I, I, it, they have broke me of my stereotype because obviously I was uh, along with everyone else with the stereotypes of, you know, how mindless and <laughs> and it, idiotic in a sense that they they, they were. But uh, you know, the more and more that I talk to the experts of it, you know, I, I've definitely changed my thought or my theory of, you know, I I, I think they're well, I guess yeah. I mean, I I think they're a lot more intelligent and uh, you know able to to exist obviously i mean there's proof in that because they existed for thousands and thousands of years but again that was nothing that that's something that just never really crossed my mind you know i was like you were we were talking about going into museums i was the same person you know i would have seen that person with the tattered clothing or the neanderthal with the tattered clothing and not thought anything different about it you know oh there's those you know those mindless cave dwellers not well i don't want to say that <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, that's what I call my cave my my community is my cave dwelling yeah. community. So I don't I don't, want, I don't mean that. So, <laughs> but you know that that's what I would have thought of that is oh you know there's that those uh, 
you know, not uh, unintelligent pre-human beings, you know. So that definitely have changed my perception and my stereotype of what our Neanderthals, I guess another thing, because I always call them our Neanderthal ancestors. And I actually had somebody argue with me that they're not technically our ancestors, they're our cousins. So I've been trying to change my verbiage to say Neanderthal cousins. <laughs> I would have argued with them saying the opposite. <laughs> I guess it really just depends on who you ask at this sure. point. Yeah. But yeah, I so, mean, that's, that's, that's what I would say, you know, they've changed my perspective on, you know, our early humans and Neanderthals completely. That's good. Um, I think, I think in the start of the podcast, you actually mentioned to me that you started this to sort of learn more about Neanderthals. I did. Yeah, I, I honestly had no education. I mean, I, I really had no, uh, I mean, I guess I really had no interest in a sense in Neanderthals until, you know, like I was always, I'm always, and still am a, a people watcher. I like to watch people and, you know, try and figure out why they do, well, like I say in my description, you know, I like to learn why we do what we do and how we do what we do. And, uh, you know, I was listening to a podcast before many years ago, maybe two, three years ago. And, uh, you know, they said, because I was getting into the mindfulness and, you know, how to, how to, uh, I don't want to say empty my mind, but categorize my mind, you know, just to keep myself a little calmer, you know. Um, and the, the one podcast I was listening to, the, the, the person came on, and I wish I knew what podcast and what person said it, but they said, you know, the reason we act like we do is because of our Neanderthal ancestors. So that started the whole journey there. I'm like, that's what I've been looking for. Why, why we act like we do and, you know, why we do what we do, why our bodies adapt and don't adapt. So that started my whole journey into uh, Neanderthals. And like oh, I said, I figured, I figured what, what best way, because I was listening to podcasts. I mean, I probably, well, even today I have 40 some podcasts that I try and listen to. I don't get to as many of them now because my work has changed. Uh, I used to do a lot of walking during the day. So I had headphones on and I was able to listen, but I can't do that anymore. And uh, so I figured why not start a podcast in order to learn about them and then take my cave dwelling community on that journey with me to learn about Neanderthals. So it's, it's great. So far your podcast is the only one that really centers around Neanderthals and obviously being, I'll call myself a Neander nerd. (laughs) I love it. And I can't get enough of it. I'll be um, honest, and to bring something up, you save your question. You have your question written. I don't want you to forget it. You have your question written. Yeah, down. yeah, I got them written down. Don't worry about what it. What I wanted to say with you, you know, being on here with you, this is what your third or fourth time that you're on here with me, and I greatly appreciate that. And and like I told you before, uh, you know, you're you're the first interview that we did together is still, I mean, out. It's out. It's surpassing all other <laughs> of my episodes. You know, it's still way up there with the downloads, like by hundred, by a hundred, hundred plus downloads more than any other one. But you know, I guess to to uh, I guess to bring a skeleton out of the closet. Whenever I first started this podcast, again, you were my first guest, and I was very skeptical about bringing you on because what I thought. I wanted to do with the podcast was not what you 
were into. You know what I mean? Like with me, I wanted to, I guess, whenever I first came into the podcast, it was more of the psychology. Why are our minds, and that's why I call it the Neanderthal mind, why are our minds like they are? So I was hoping to focus more with psychologists and psychology. But then once I had that interview with you, I mean, it just opened up a whole new world for me, man. I've just, I've, I've tried to, 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 you know, spread the podcast open to whatever I can get with Neanderthals. So, uh, you know, a couple things I want to thank you, obviously, for being the first, and now you're the first three-peat. I think it's been three times, right? Three? I know the yeah, one episode weird. we did twice, or why I did... Uh, uh, like a, I did a two-part episode with you, so it's been four episodes, but you've been on three times now, and uh, you know, like I said, without you, you've opened my mind to to a whole new dimension of Neanderthals. So I want to thank you on that, definitely. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, man. Um, so the next question I wanted to ask was, uh, how are you enjoying being a podcast host? But I guess you just sort of answered that. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I love it it's 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 diff, it's more difficult than what some people would think and, and well i mean you you kind of know too with your um uh you know with your youtube and that you do you know you gotta you record it then you gotta you know you screw up so you have to re-record it and you know then you gotta go in and you gotta yep. edit it and then you know you gotta get it up so there's a lot that goes into it and then me working you know, 50 plus hours a week on my nine to five, you know, it's, it, it's, it's trying at times. Uh, I know I was putting out episodes every week and uh, that got to be just way too much, you know? So I, yeah. I, I talked to my son, my oldest boy, and, you know, he was like, well, why don't you just, you know, try going every other week and see what happens. So that's kind of what I'm into right now is every other week. Um, but I, I love it, man. I love, cause obviously, you know, like most podcasters will say, if I didn't have a podcast, I would never have been able to talk to, well, you, of course, you know, uh, EA Megs or any of the experts that I've talked to in the last, you know, year I've, I've had this podcast for a year now, like I said, and, uh, this is my second season. And, uh, so it, it's, you know, I guess what I envisioned with the podcast I guess it's kind of getting there. You know, I, uh, I'm at uh, 47, 4,800 downloads, which I know, you know, with to a lot of people, downloads aren't nothing. And, and they're, I mean, they're not, but it, it's nice to see that the numbers are growing, you know? Well, that's, that's good for a year. That's really yeah. good for a year. Yeah. And um, like, even with, you know, like with um, a lot of podcasts, you know, you, you, most of the podcasts have a business that supports the bod podcast or a podcast that supports their business. Like with yeah. me, this podcast is its own entity. <laughs> so yeah. it needs to start supporting itself, <laughs> which, you know, we, I alluded to earlier where, you know, one of my goals this year is to, you know, either start making money or at least get a game plan on how I want to make money and um, on the podcast. But as well, like what I envisioned with the podcast is a lot more online content, you know, with you know, to do with Neanderthals, you know, whether it's, you know, a, a, a timeline of when Neanderthals were discovered or when Neanderthals existed or, you know, the, the different levels like the, the what the, the Pleistocene level, or, you know, the different levels and what was discovered in those different levels and why was it discovered, you know, so a lot more online content that I definitely would like to get to with the podcast. That's good. Yeah, I'll definitely YouTube will be 
the best route, I think, because people like to watch things. Yeah. Which I don't understand, but <laughs> but it does. Yeah. Um, and definitely promoting on like like I said earlier, TikTok has been very helpful promoting mostly like Instagram and Facebook, um, trying to reach like a younger audience and uh, trying to show them. But at the same time, with dealing with people that are even younger than myself, there there's a lot of armchair experts out there. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I guess the last question I wanted to ask you is, um, are there any areas regarding Neanderthals that you are more interested in than others? Good question. You know, I, I, I think I just, because I'm so new to it, I want to learn everything I can about them. Um, I guess if I take it back to, you know, what I talked about earlier with what I intended the podcast to be, you know, I think... I guess it would be, you know, the habits and the way of life, you know, how the Neanderthals lived. But that kind of entails everything, you know, that entails you with, you know, the weapon making and the, uh, you know, the clothing and, you know, everything else that goes with it, you know, the tools and the cooking and all that stuff, preserving food, you know, because obviously those traits were all passed down to us. And that's why we know how to do what we do today is because of that, you know. So it's with me, it's, I, I think, so I want to go to the one question that I asked you, what I, what, I, what you would think the biggest discovery would be next. I would really like to see more discoveries on, uh, I guess, what we lived in, what our Neanderthal cousins, ancestors lived in, you know, because again, the one stereotype is caves. <laughs> and that's why I, you know, I call it the cave dweller community. It's, it's a little tongue in cheek. I understand they didn't just live in caves, but you know, when you say cave dwellers, obviously, you know, it, it kind of goes stereotypical hand in hand with Neanderthals. But I would definitely like to see more discoveries in regards to, you know, uh, structures that, that they lived in and how they built those structures and uh, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I agree. That's sort of, I'm sort of on the same lines as you. I'm more interested in like lithics and technology and all that rather than the Gene, genealogy, genealogy, I can't say that word anymore. Genealogy, genealogy. Genealogy, yes, genealogy side of things. But that pretty much everything interests me. But um, for myself, it's either lithics or isotopic um, data. So like what they ate, what they, what they were made out of basically is what I'm pretty much interested in. Their fossils and their tools. <laughs> I, I could, you know, like one imagine how awesome it would be too to find written words you know i mean we see lithographs or we see drawings cave drawings that's why you know again why i say at the end of my leave your leave your cave drawings on my wall at you know neanderthalmind whatever um but uh man just that would be an awesome discovery too to to, to see written words <laughs> you know from the neanderthal times early human times you know and yeah uh... To add on to that, um, mm -hmm. there have been sort of cave paintings discovered as um, by Neanderthals, and they are geometric shapes and signs. And that seems to be universal across where they find them, mostly in Europe. And that very well could be a language that Neanderthals had. Yeah. And they spoke through geometric signs. We just 
with something like that, we just have no way of actually knowing. And that's why one of my other questions that I usually like to ask, you know, and I, I wasn't aware of the geometrics, you know, discoveries, but one of the questions I like to ask is, you know, do you think, how do I have that written? Um, uh, do you believe that there was other worldly influence on our evolution? <laughs> you know, you know, because I watch ancient ancient aliens a lot. <laughs> My girlfriend um, makes fun of me about that, but uh, you know, it's makes you wonder. You know, yeah, maybe psychedelics played Ooh, a role. Nice. Um, there's a theory called the stone ape theory, which basically, just to give you like a a basic summary of it, is um are earlier even earlier than neanderthals and like true hominins they would be eating like uh, mushroom or not mushrooms like grubs and stuff from cow patties and cow patties grow psychedelic mushrooms mm -hmm. and they'd accidentally eat the psychedelic mushrooms and then unlock this new realm and mm -hmm. i can i can sort of agree i don't like to get into that stuff too much because then people try to discredit you but yeah at the same time, I, th I say a lot of things that discredit me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think discrediting is the least you have to worry about with all the, you know, with your community, uh, how big it is, man, and everyone that, that, that follows you, pays attention to you. I think you're okay with making some yeah. statements like and that. And for the most part, a lot of them agree with me, so I don't really, yeah. I don't have to worry about too much. Nah. I just like to joke around about yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but I don't really see like maybe aliens got involved there's no way that they don't exist but have they already made contact with us is a whole new question that i'm just not ready to get into <laughs> <laughs> yeah understood understood man. um anything else you will you you can think about that you want to talk about that we may not have discussed or anything else you want to elaborate on that we did talk about no i think we covered the points pretty well yeah we did and uh i don't know i want to kind of I want to I want to put the spotlight on you. You know, we had talked about you know you hopefully at some point in the near future here joining me on somebody's as a co-host on the podcast. Um, you know, I know we have to try and work out the uh, the whole scheduling of things, but uh, and and I'm sure you're 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 busier and heck with everything you have. But uh, you know, I wanted to kind of put you on the spot there and, and throw that out at you that. Uh, you know i would love to come on as a co-host <laughs> i think it would be awesome again because we can you know we can do episodes where we just banter back and forth or you know you ask some questions to the to our guests or i ask you know it's i think it would be awesome if 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 we can work that out man i think that would be awesome yeah my biggest problem now is i'm night shifts so everyone Ooh, yeah. i know is usually day shifts so when i'm sleeping everyone's up and about and then <sighs> when everybody's yeah when everyone else is sleeping i'm up and about so it's it sucks and then on the weekends i've got so much to do like i'm sure you saw i had to reschedule because i had to go yeah. visit somebody yeah. and i'm smoking all these meats and i'm trying to get my laundry washed i'm trying to fix my clothing <laughs> and... <laughs> no and, and like i said i understand you know you're busy and that's, that's that's the only thing that's holding us up is just trying to get the schedules worked out and you know, I get that. Like, oh, that's the worst thing I ever did was work night shifts, man. My body doesn't like it. At nighttime, my body wants to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm a night owl to begin with, um, mm. so I don't mind it. But at the same time, it, like, like you said, it screws with your schedule, really. Yeah, and that's the biggest downfall. But I'm young. It's good money. It's going towards getting a cabin somewhere. So oh, nice. I'm not complaining right now. Right. <laughs>
Yeah, I know um trying to work out a schedule with, uh, you know, I have uh, someone that was interested in coming on uh, for an interview, but uh, uh, his, his timeline is like right now over there, I think it's uh, like four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so like I'd have to get up, at, which is fine with me. I'd have to be up at five o'clock in the morning eastern standard time in order to interview uh that person at you know 11 o'clock around lunchtime you know so i get this yeah. whole scheduling thing is uh it's uh it's trying but uh you know definitely there's workarounds and you know i, I look forward to the day that we can uh work it out to uh you know to get you on as a co-host and again it doesn't have to be every episode you know just here and yeah there. definitely just here and there it'd be fun um, I will mention, uh, I hate to self-promote on no, other people's do it. platforms. That's what it's for, brother. That's what it's for. I did do a separate podcast with EA Megs on my YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, So yeah. if people want to go listen to that, I highly recommend it. It's absolutely very good conversation for the most part. EA, EA Megs is yeah. very easy to talk to, so it runs very smoothly. Just like you and I, we, we, get, we talk very easily, so yeah. it goes well. Yeah, and I enjoyed. I, I I've had uh, EA Megs on again twice now, twice. So now she has to catch up to you. So now she has to come back yep. on one more time to catch up with it's you. Always a catch up game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's always been an awesome conversation with her as well. So um, you know, like I said, Joe, I, 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 you know, you got me to where I am today, man. With you know, opening my mind on, uh, you know, who to invite on the podcast and. Uh, you know, we have some other uh, mutual friends that uh, I'm talking to with trying to get on the podcast as well, who have the same interest as you, you know, so, um, you know, hopefully that works out and hopefully you can join me for that episode. And, uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, I just I appreciate you getting me started and keeping me going, man. Appreciate it. I'm glad to hear that. It's, I definitely hope to see this podcast skyrocket. I hope it catches the right eye one day and just skyrockets. That'd be great. Yeah, well, thank you, Joe, and, and I hope, obviously, to see it do that as well, and with uh, great guests like you, you know, I, I can definitely see it uh, taking that trajectory. All right, well, so, Joe, I mean, uh, that's all I had, man. Um, you know, like I said, thank you again for, for coming on for a fourth time, man. <laughs> thank you for having me again well fourth episode we'll go with the fourth, fourth episode, episode fourth. yeah third time fourth episode <laughs> but uh you know anytime in the future you have anything else you want to talk about uh, i mean it's it's an open book open door not open book but open door <laughs> yeah and uh you know like i said i hope we can work our schedules out so that uh you'll be joining me on some of the podcast interviews man thank you for everything thank you for having me again it's been real fun yeah, brother, and I, I'm sure I'll be talking to you. Yep. All right, Joe, thanks. Thank you. See bye. you later. Yep, bye. Well, what did I tell you, cave dwellers? Some pretty cool things in the works with Neanderthal Joe and with Neanderthal Joe and the Neanderthal Mind. Make sure you check out all of Joe's social media and support pages to help him continue bringing us all awesome content. And, of course... In the show notes, you will find all of those links. Next week, I'm going to put out a special episode from Neanderthal Joe, where he sits down with our favorite author, E.A. Meigs, and we all know that that conversation always ends up super fantastic. So be sure and tune in. 
Well, until next episode, cave dwellers. Thanks for listening to the Nanothal Mind podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you love what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the Neanderthal Mind podcast wherever you download your podcasts. And if you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast as much as we hope you have, please recommend the Neanderthal Mind to them. Until next episode, my fellow cave dwellers, don't forget... Leave your cave drawings and comments on our wall at theneanderthalmind.com.